This is podcast 167, and it's titled Emotion. And the, uh, the chorale prelude was uh, the Bee Gees um, version of their song Emotion, which I think was originally sung by Samantha Sang. And it is a very evocative and, I think, beautiful song. And it sets up a kind of meditation today on uh, the importance and the centrality of emotion in um, kind of life. And I want to use as my kind of template for uh, discussing this um, a, uh, an artist that I've talked about quite often. And I guess he kind of fits the profile of many of the people that I find myself talking about. Just this morning I was writing someone about Robert Nathan, who's a hero of mine who died in 1973, I think, uh, or 75, and someone I want to be giving a podcast about. But it's a completely unknown person in present perspective among uh, almost everyone. And um, the uh, fact is that the artist that I live with uh, these days, uh, not meaning my artist wife, uh, the plants woman, Mary Zoll, but meaning the um, the Canadian uh, poet and uh, writer and singer, performer Burton Cummings is um, still uh, unknown to the vast mainstream of uh, fans, uh, potential fans in the United States of America, not elsewhere, but in our country for reasons that are tied up with the mystifying and befogging absurdity of human existence. But there we have it. He's known in some places. And I love him, and we all know him because of the guess who, but in the more recent incarnation, that's what I want to talk about. And I want to talk about an artist in relationship to emotion, and what emotion really is, and why emotion is, in my own way of thinking, all important. Someone asked the other day, what are you now thinking about? And I found myself having to struggle, because... I could say very honestly that I was thinking about Mary in all sorts of elements and uh, ways that uh, mean a great deal to me. And I could um, apply that a little bit to my religious views and uh, a couple of things I wasn't thinking about that surprised me. Um, but then um, I said, well, provided Burton Cummings gets me through <clears throat> with his emotional um, transparency, his mirror up to nature, uh, then I can probably tell you that that's really what I'm most thinking about, together with the things I've mentioned, which are more important, but it's as if uh, Cummings' songs are the soundtrack to my own exploration at this point. And um, let me talk a little bit about uh, Cummings as a vehicle of emotion. I'll play a song at the very end entitled Stand Tall, which embodies all the great uh, gifts of Cummings's transparency to emotion and ultimately, in my opinion, to the spirit, whatever it is, God. I have no bones about saying that. The muse, uh, and yet at the same time, includes some of the characteristic human kind of touches and I guess you could say false inherent in um, quite a bit of his music from the standpoint of a critic, but from the standpoint of me in where I am, and I believe you, there is something really important to be garnered from uh, his undistanced um, and unmonitored emotion. Now, let's talk a little bit about this, and I'll illustrate what I mean. It was sort of telescoped for me recently in an article about him in a Canadian 
publication in which um, this person said that there were many turns in the many, many songs that were recorded and performed and written by the Guess Who that were uncool. It said that there, there are many points in the oeuvre of the corpus of the Guess Who where they veer into the uncool. And I thought to myself, you know, that's absolutely true. And you could say the same of a, a number of the um, significant songs and output of Burton Cummings after, I think it was 1975 or so, he went out on his own, and I want to talk about that because it's in the very uncool. Think about you. Think about the uncool you. Think about people you know who are uncool. And um, when you veer from a picture you have that's really terrific and very um, blithe and very breezy and very witty and very good-looking and very uh, quick and very uh, going with the flow and with good luck and all those sorts of things, and then you... Um, you are suddenly hit by a humiliating moment of uncoolness. Or there's a large part of you that's uncool, but that's the part that we're really, as we would say in historic Christian theology, God is characteristically at work, not in the cool parts, but in the uncool parts. And in a way, this uh, is an analogy for the songs of Burton Cummings. Let me um, um, give you several examples. And you can go on YouTube or um, iTunes, which I suggest, and look all these songs up. One is called Roll With The Punches, which was in his album, I think. Most of them were not released in the United States. Um, I believe it was in the album um, Dream of a Child. And it's a very awkward song uh, that apparently was supposed to be in a movie that never got made, in which Burton Cummings talks about the whole point of life is roll with the punches. You know, comply and God bless, which was the text for a sermon I preached in uh, Alabama recently. I think I preached it somewhere else, but I know I preached it at the Advent. Complying, God bless, that quotation from Sloan Wilson's uh, novel. And um, which, what was it called? I've got it right in front of me. Oh, I know. Um, I'm looking at it. All the best people. Um, Roll with the punches is um, Burton Cummings' form of, you know, the whole secret of life is rolling with the punches. But right in the smack, early in the middle of it, he invokes Jesus Christ. And he talks about um, uh, turning the other cheek in a, in a very, uh, the, the, the phraseology is, is uncool. I mean, it's, it's, it's a jerk, uh, a jerking of the text. And yet, as a whole, it's very powerful. He invokes the New Testament in Roll with the Punches in a way that's completely unexpected. That's what I want to talk about. The when you're re, when you really don't care about being cool, but you're you're open. You're you're a vibrator, a vibrating. What is that word I recently heard of? Voto votocore. Uh, when you you speak into something and and it comes out sounding like a robot, you know, like in disco music, ah ah ah, votocore or something like that. Um, Italo disco used this frequently. Well, it's almost as if the 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 intelligence of the of the of the of the spirit of the invisible comes through um, in "Roll with the Punches" by Burton Cummings, and yet it's it's awkward. It's like a, a sudden interruption. We interrupt this program to bring you deep truth, but it's uh, in a way that is so um, odd compared with the kind of um, instrument. Uh, arrangement of Roll With The Punches. Listen to that song. Now, another example would be Wild Child. I think it's one of Burton Cummings' greatest songs, and it exemplifies the sort of, we interrupt this program to bring you some real emotion, but because we're interrupting, it's not going to come out the way that you might plan. It's coming from somewhere else. Wild Child is really about a groupie. Uh, it's also on the album um, 
uh, Dream of a Child, but it's on YouTube, and you can get it, I'm certain, on uh, iTunes. Wild Child is about a groupie, a little sort of an 18-year-old beautiful girl who follows the band that is completely in love with uh, rock and roll, the band leader, the, the singer. And um, but right, and it's a she's sexy and gorgeous and falling for this guy. But right in the middle of this kind of pee and a praise to the groupie called Wild Child, which has a very Billy Joel kind of vibe to me, um, it's a wonderful song. Um, he suddenly says, um, suddenly she's listening to the guy singing, and this really cool little young girl. I mean, she's a she's a very she's a, a, a really showing herself, you might say, in this rock and roll situation. Uh, she suddenly starts crying like the day she was born, crying like the day she was born. So she goes from cool to being absolutely. A, 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 completely emotionally overcome abreactively, cathartically by the music she's hearing. So Wild Child, suddenly in the midst of this sort of dancing, prancing, you know, keep on dancing, dancing and a-prancing, doing the jerk, shake it, shake it, baby. The gentries, you know, right in the middle of that suddenly comes this, uh, she's dissolved in tears at the emotional power of the song. I'll give you the most obvious example, in my opinion, or the most really uh, stands out among several, and I'll play it at the end. It's called Stand Tall. Now, I understand that that was his comeback record after he left the Guess Who and sort of was trying to find himself. He finally produced a song called Stand Tall. I believe it was a hit in the United States, but I don't remember it. I was living in England at the time, but I still don't remember it. But I know it was a huge hit in Canada, and maybe it was here. But Stand Tall is the definitive uh, song about a man who's absolutely... Um, He's speaking, a, a friend is speaking to someone who's lost his girl, lost his true love, male or female, it, it makes no difference. Stand Tall is uh, reflections to someone who has lost her or his true love and is completely, absolutely destroyed in contemplating suicide. And uh, right in the middle of the song, uh, the singer, Burton Cummings, says, For God's sake, don't do something stupid. It's only silly human pride. Well, don't do something stupid. He, uh, this has been a very deep feeling. You, you, you might want to commit suicide after losing her or losing him. And everybody loves this song because it's so raw. But when he says it's only silly human pride, the word silly stands out, at least in my perspective, because it it seems, I guess it sounds a little lame. You, you, for God's sake, da, 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 silly human pride, you might say, you're just being an idiot, or this is, you're being such a self-involved, you know, how can you, you know, that, or that's only just sheer, you know, you're, you're really wrapped up in yourself here. Look around you. You know, there are a million things you could say, but on the other hand, this is the powerful thing about the song, when you hear it, it makes sense. It's like we interrupt this song to bring you the truth. And the truth is that the person to whom the singer is singing the song, Stand Tall, is absolutely filled with silly human pride. So in, the, in a way, it, it doesn't work. Maybe you think it does. But to me, it, when I first heard it, I've heard it many, many times. It sounded lame. But it's also one of my absolute favorite songs about Burton Cummings. It's just the truth. It is about silly human pride. I'll give you many other examples. Um, uh, I could give you all sorts of f sort of odd and strange examples, such as So Long Bannatine, which is really about a, simply a band member's move from one section of Winnipeg to another street in Winnipeg. And it's the incredible blues song that shows off Burton Cummings' great vocal uh, timbre and his incredible stylings, uh, his brilliance on the piano, but it's really just about one guy, a single guy, moving from one street to another in Winnipeg, and it's sort of a dressing up of extremely mundane event that could be very important to a person, and it's memorable. It has a kind of um, a, a brilliance in the middle of um, 
true, truly a, a, a detail, like going to the bank or, you know, um, picking up food at the Chinese takeaway. Uh, now, a song that absolutely captures what I'm talking about is I'm Scared. Now, you've talk, we've talked about that one. That's the very religious one. That's the one about which Burton Cummings did such a powerful tour of St. Thomas Church. Look it up on YouTube. It's called New York Stories, and it's you can see it. it's 18 minutes when Burton Cummings returns to what he calls the Cathedral of St. Thomas on 53rd Street, a place that many of us know so well. I sure do. And um, he had this religious experience that I think was utterly genuine and epiphanic. Uh, and I'm scared. But when you actually hear him sing the song, you're sort of waiting to get to the great thing about uh, I don't uh, don't religion, but I fell down on my knees. Um, but but the I'm scared sounds a little, uh, it's repeated so many times. You sort of say, well, is that really, I mean, that sounds a little overblown, Burton, doesn't it? You keep saying, I'm scared. I'm terrified. I don't, don't, don't I'm not much on religion, but I, then he talks about uh, sort of, he's thrown into his knees in this terrible feeling of fright. It, it's, it, there's an element when you listen to it, it sounds a little overheated, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm terrified. But in fact, it's not. Because in fact, I've, I was the other day I was thinking, you know, if I died today, given where I am in my own inner sort of experience of life, my own sort of feelings about things, I would be scared too. And a matter of fact, I am scared. God damn it. I am scared. I'm scared witless. I'm extremely scared because if George Harrison was right and if the, you know, the East is right, or at least the Hindus and I think other traditions in the East, you know, how, how, what happens to you after you die actually is very much connected to the state of mind you are in when you do die. And I know that, by the way, in personal experience recently in my own family. I'm scared. I'm terrified. Never been much on religion, but I fell down on my knees. I'm actually Actually, that song, I'm Scared, it captures that vibe that you hear in Stand Tall. Um, it, it seems overblown, but that's how we absolutely feel. Uh, just a couple more examples. Uh, permissible to Cry. Look that one up. Permissible to Cry. Again, it sounds a little lame. This guy's saying, you know... Um, my life's not going very well, and, you know, it is permissible to cry. But what's so funny about it, the words permissible to cry, we would not say that. That That is uh, the result of a more educated uh, context. We would say, hey, it's, it's okay to cry, or guys can cry, or big, uh, you know, um, it's okay for a guy to, you know, promise keepers. I mean, it's okay to cry, but permissible to cry? Sometimes it's permissible to cry. I mean, just the very nature of the pentameter, of the iambic pentameter there, Sometimes it's permissible to cry. Is it's it's just too darn educated, or something about the context in which he was receiving all his English language vibes. It it sounds way too advanced for us, you know, dumbed down people. But on the other hand, when you listen to it, listen to "Permissible to Cry" and listen to the way his piano uh, kind of goes over the guitar line, or the guitar line goes over the piano. They connect beautifully. It's deeply emotional song. Now, I could also um, talk about Sour Sweet. Now, Sour Sweet is a song that I think is a reference to Les Mis, Arable, but it's about a very, very depressed, sad, lonely, bereft human being who's really lost it. I mean, somebody who's really, really in a very bad position, and we all know about it. The thing that's a little lame about it, from my perspective, is the title. It's a Sour, S-O-U-R, Sweet, S-U-I-T-E. It, it's a like you know uh, the the sweet for violin and cello it's it's a uh, you know the, the english sweet by bach you know um sour sweet uh it it um 
it's a little bit of a it's a stretch the the play on words sweet and sour english sweet you know sweet for violoncello and continuo it, the whole sour sweet sounds a little i guess i would probably say dumb but when you listen to it it's overwhelmingly emotional now there are many other examples that of odd turns of phrase we interrupt this song to bring you something real <laughs> I think Roseanne has it. I think that's by the Guess Who. Sour Sweet's by the Guess Who, but I think Burton Cummings wrote it. Miss Frizzy has it, also by the Guess Who. Um, Life in the Bloodstream, also by the Guess Who, has it. I think you hear it in Glamour Boy, like crazy. Deep, deep emotion, coupled with a highly sort of, my gosh, that song could almost not be played today, although I can't quite explain why, but it's incredibly emotional. And then you have a song by Burton Cummings solo called what a Sugar Time Flashback Joys. What the... F um, it's about a guy looking back on fun that he had as a, as a younger person where he didn't really care what anyone thought and was wearing his blue jeans and playing in the band and he kept taking a, taking a taxi over to Rochester. I assume it means Rochester, New York from over the Canadian border. Something like that. Sugar Time Flashback Joys. It's a lot of syllables there to talk about fun when I was a kid, you know, when I didn't really care, when I didn't care about being uh, hauled into college disciplinary courts for doing things when I was drunk that I don't even remember, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it's a very up-positive view of youthful um, kind of uncorrected, uncensored fun. But on the other time, it, it, and it's really a good song, and, but it has this strange interpolation about the car trip over to Rochester, which he keeps talking about, and then Sugar Time Flashback Joy. It's just an odd way of saying it. Well, I hope I made my point. I'm finished. Um, what do I want to say about that? The power of these songs, especially Wild Child, Stand Tall, I'm Scared, Permissible to Cry, and Sour Sweet, let alone the others in the B-plus category, is that this uh, singer, this performer, this artist is not... Um, straining out gnats in order to swallow camels. He's, he's not straining out anything. So his songs, they allow in elements that we all have felt, even when we sort of, you know, you look at yourself and say, I can't believe I'm thinking this, or I can't believe I'm crying in front of you. I can't believe I've just broken down. Please forgive me for being such so, so you know, incredibly what I've just been or done. Forgive me for saying that. Forgive me for avouching this. Forgive me for actually surfacing this feeling. Uh, he's not doing that. And that's why his uh, songs are incredibly true. And this is what life really is. I, when someone said, what are you thinking about? What I really wanted to say underneath the other things I could have said, which I've already told you I was saying, things I was thinking about. I was thinking about that song, Emotion. Or rather, I was thinking about Emotion. You know, there's this ridiculous teaching that you probably heard in uh, church circles that you have to... Um, kind of you, your emotions have to catch up with what you know from the Word of God, and that's been completely re rebutted, fortunately, by people who study Cranmer and Melanchthon and Luther, who realized that the heart uh, always would uh, uh, cause the will to act in such a way that would then be rationalized by the mind. In other words, the mind was the last place where there was a real transaction occurring in the human being. The transaction occurs in the heart, and when that happens, the heart creates a will, and the will then rationalizes. Well, I think that's absolutely true. And so from a standpoint of Mockingbird or a standpoint of the real insight of the Christian faith or whatever you want to call it or Christ's approach to life and the New Testament's brilliant insight, into human decision-making, um, we do understand that the cockpit of human, um, the engine of human activation is, uh, is always in the heart. 
I'm glad that uh, Cummings titled a later album Heart. It's not my favorite album, but it has some great songs. But it's here. It's the heart. It's in the emotions. And there is where your real life is going to go. I just want you to know that. That's where it's going to go. I was reading my old uh, prep school um, uh, bulletin, of alumni bulletin recently. <clears throat> Actually, it just came. And I was just amazed at the number of people I know who are my age now who have made alarmingly sudden and incredibly radical personal decisions in their life at a very late age, usually involving their most intimate relationships. It's just amazing to me the number of people my own age who have suddenly upped and made a humongous change in their domestic circumstances in favor of this, that, or the other thing. And it, what struck me is just why would someone do that? I mean, we all can admit, we actually can all put ourselves, don't think you can. Now, don't you tell me, oh, I would never do that. Don't say that because that's not true. Uh, we are all capable of anything because our emotions are extremely pliable and highly vulnerable. And so when I read about this, that, or the other person I know, or no secondhand, but a lot of them I know well, and I read that they've made this incredibly radical change in their domestic circumstances, which involves moving thousands of miles away and saying sayonara to their children and da 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 I say to myself, well, that, that person must have done it because his emotions were touched. I mean, obviously something very, very core was touched in this person to make such a radical change and such a costly one and such a devastating one and, and such a one that I'm sure involved suffering in extremis for any number of people, and yet there it is. What does that Say. It says that don't discount what Burton Cummings is telling you. If you're really in touch with your emotions, if you're really able to feel, deeply feel what you have to feel, then in fact um, you, you will be guided through the minefield of life in a most beautiful and loving manner uh, because you won't be suddenly taken up by your heels and, and hung upside down by emotions that you never really acknowledged or allowed yourself to feel. And suddenly they will come back because they will. They will come back. So we finish with the most um, very beautiful and in some ways odd um, juxtaposition of elements in Burton Cummings. Uh, very moving. And I hope you'll find a very um, emotionally germane song, Stand Tall. Thank you so much and God bless. Never knew the meaning of a heartache But then again I never lost a love before
I'd almost give my hands to make you see my way. Give my hands to make you see my way. 